Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from the series, Jonah, God's Mission in the World. Here's Pastor Nick. Good morning. If you'd please open with me in your Bibles, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4. It's Jonah chapter 4. Next week, we're going to be beginning a new series, by the way, called Church Matters. And in that series, we're going to be looking at God's design and God's vision for the church and, and who God has called us to be and what God has called us to be passionate about and what it looks like for us to live those things out. But today, so we come to the conclusion, though, of the book of Jonah. And uh, it's a short little book, but it contains a hugely important message for all of us. It's a message about God's heart for the world and what our role is in his mission. And, and really, everything in the book of Jonah, everything in this story up until now has been building up until this point in this final chapter. So I'm excited about this, and I believe that God has a message for us, and I hope you're, you're ready to receive it. Let's go ahead and begin this morning by reading Jonah chapter 4. We're actually going to start on the last verse of chapter 3, because it gives us some context for understanding what happens in chapter 4. So book of Jonah, for those of you uh, who aren't sure what that is, it's in the Old Testament. Just go ahead and use your index uh, in your Bible, and let's begin by reading Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 10, and through chapter 4. When God saw what they, that's the Ninevites, did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But this displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord... Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there, and he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and we pray that as we study it, Lord, that you would align our hearts and our minds with yours. Lord, help us to think the way that you think. And as we do that, Lord, we pray that you would change our affections, change the things that we love, change the things that we desire. Lord, we pray that as we study your word, you would change our hearts and align our hearts with your heart, that we might be like you. So Lord, we ask that you would use this time in your word for your glory and for our good. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The message of the book of Jonah, if you were to put it into one sentence, it could be this. Lost people matter to God, and therefore they should matter to me and you. So lost people matter to God, and therefore they should matter to me and you. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever seen a toddler have a meltdown? 
Maybe I should better phrase it this way. How many of you have ever seen a toddler? Because that's what they do. That's, if you've seen a toddler, you've seen a toddler meltdown. That's what they do. It's what they do best, really. Sometimes it's in the middle of the grocery store aisle. Maybe you've seen that one. Or at an event or, or at home. And really, it could happen anywhere. And it could be because they're tired or maybe because they're not tired, or maybe because they're hungry or not. It could really just happen for any reason whatsoever. And there's a great blog out there. It's, they also have a Twitter feed, and it's called Reasons My Child is Crying. I don't know if you've ever seen this blog, but if you haven't, do yourself a favor and go check it out. Basically, it's this. Parents can send in their photos of their toddler or their you know, small child basically having a meltdown, and then they write a caption as to why the child is melting down. So I've got a few, few examples for you here. This little guy, he's... Uh, he's He's pretty upset because his mom broke his piece of cheese in half. This little girl, she is really upset because her mom wouldn't let her drink liquid fertilizer. Poor, poor thing, right? Well, this guy really likes to put on sunscreen, but his mom told him it's raining outside. And so he's, uh, he's pretty upset. This guy, he's upset because he bit into his cornbread only to find out there was a hot dog inside. <laughs> Super disappointing. This guy, he's crying because... He doesn't want to stand up or sit down or lay down, which doesn't leave a lot of options. So you can understand why he's so upset. Uh, this guy here, he's upset because he doesn't want his legs to be attached to his body anymore. And uh, that's a hard one to solve. Now, you know, we look at that and we say, man, kids are just so irrational. Like they're just, uh, I can't believe they act like that. I'm glad that I don't act like that until you lose your keys or your wallet or God forbid, pretty much the worst thing that could happen, you can't connect to the internet. And uh, my son showed me a video the other day called No Wi-Fi in a Nutshell. Uh, that's the name of this video. And somebody made this video about how people react when they can't connect to the internet. And basically, they just lose their minds. When they can't connect to the internet, the Wi-Fi is not working, they freak out, they get anxious, they yell at each other, they kick the dog, right? Like nothing else in the world matters until they can get the internet connected again. You know, also a while back, so my daughter went through this stage where she liked to find things that were laying around the house and then she would take them and hide them, which was really great, except for about half the time, she totally forgot where she hid them. And so we would just never know and uh, find them weeks later. Oh, that's where this was, right? So one time I go to get my wallet and, and head out the door and my wallet's not where I left it. So she had taken it and she had hidden it somewhere, but she couldn't remember where she put it. And so I was looking everywhere in the house for my wallet. I was starting to get upset and frustrated and I wasn't exactly being very nice. And my wife had to pull me aside at one point and say, Hang on a second, right? Like, come back to reality. Look around. Think about this. Like, is this really something that you need to be getting this upset about? Uh, don't you think you're kind of overreacting, right? Like, look around. You have a small daughter. She's just playing games, right? So in other words, she was bringing me back to reality, and I needed it. And, I, and here's why. Because I was freaking out about something that was in the big picture, relatively small. So I was freaking out about some little thing, and I was losing sight of the big picture. And I think that's all of our tendency. We have a tendency to freak out about little things and lose sight of the big picture. And that is exactly what is happening here in the fourth chapter and the final chapter of the book of Jonah. Catch up with Jonah, and what is he doing? He's freaking out. He's throwing a tantrum about some little things, really. Some little things, and he's totally lost sight of the big picture. And so what does a good parent do, you know, when the kid's having a meltdown in the middle of the grocery store or anywhere, really? What does a good parent do with the child who's melting down? Well, what they do is they take them, they 
pull them aside. They set them aside and they say, let's talk about this. And they, they try to reason with them. And that's not always easy to do with a two-year-old, but, but you try to at least on some level. And you say, you know, let me, you ask them some questions to help them to see and to get to see how ridiculous they're acting and how this thing that they're so upset about isn't as big of a deal as they think it is and that how they've kind of lost perspective. Is this really, uh, your cheese broken half, you're still going to eat it and you're going to be fine. Is this really something to cry about? Is this really something to get upset about? And again, that's not just for toddlers. I think all of us need that sometime. We need someone to come alongside us, ask us the right questions and help us to see the big picture and see how sometimes ridiculous we're being in that moment. So Jonah, here he is, he's throwing a tantrum. He's having a meltdown. What's he upset about? He's upset that God showed mercy to the Ninevites. Because he hates the Ninevites. They're like his arch enemies, right? He doesn't want to see them do well. He, he wants to see them wiped out and wants to see judgment. But instead, God is being patient towards them and giving them another chance. And Jonah's angry about that. He's upset about that. He doesn't like it. And so what does God do? As a loving father, God comes to Jonah. He pulls him aside here in chapter 4. And he begins chatting with him. And he asks him some questions. And he gives him some perspective. And he helps Jonah see how ridiculous he's being. And he helps Jonah to see the big picture that he's lost sight of. And in this, I want you to see that we see some things that are absolutely vital, absolutely crucial for us to understand about who God is and who we are and what God is doing in the world and what our part is in that. The title of today's message is God's Heart for the World. And there are three things we're going to be looking at here in this section Number one, when you're angry at God, when you're angry at God. Secondly, we're going to talk about the thing that makes cities beautiful, what it is that makes cities beautiful. And thirdly, we're going to talk about the rest of the story. So let's talk about this, when you're angry at God. Now, the Ninevites were legitimately bad people, like super actually bad people. They did exceptionally bad things. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and the city of Nineveh was located in what is now the modern-day city of Mosul, Iraq. It's been in the news a ton lately, but that's the same location as Nineveh. These people were essentially the great-great-great-great-great-grandparents of ISIS and uh, Al-Qaeda. And they acted like it, really. They were a violent and imperialistic nation that posed a present threat and danger to the very existence of the nation of Israel, Jonah's nation. So Jonah didn't like them. He didn't like anything about them. And he believed, and I think we can say rightly so, that the Ninevites deserved God's judgment. But then God called Jonah to do something that Jonah did not want to do. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and give the people there a message. And here was the message. God has seen your wicked actions and he's giving you 40 days. You've got 40 days to repent or else God is going to overthrow your city. He's going to bring judgment upon you. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. Now, Jonah didn't want to go there. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to give that message. And it's kind of understandable because this would have been an extremely dangerous thing to do. This is enemy territory. And you're basically walking up to your enemies and threatening them, giving them an ultimatum. I mean, if this doesn't work, Jonah's dead meat. And so here in Jonah chapter 4, though, Jonah tells us, 
well, actually, the reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh isn't because I was afraid that it, this, this plan wouldn't succeed. Actually, just the opposite. The reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh was because I was afraid that this plan would succeed. Because here's the thing that Jonah knew, and this is true throughout the Bible. You'll notice this. With God, every warning of judgment is an invitation to repentance and an offer of grace and mercy. I'll say that again. I think that's important. With God, every warning of judgment is an invitation to repentance and an offer of grace and mercy. And Jonah knew that. He knew that if the Ninevites actually listened to this message and repented, that God would show them mercy. And he didn't want that. He didn't want the Ninevites to have mercy. He wanted the Ninevites to get what they deserved because they were terrible people. They were enemies. He wanted to see them wiped out. But as we saw last week in chapter 3 in your study, we saw Jonah reluctantly went to Nineveh. He dragged his feet. He walks halfway into the city. He preaches the worst sermon in the history of sermons. He says, you got 40 days or else God's going to kill you all. He drops the mic and walks away. There's no love in his heart for these people. He's just trying to do the absolute bare minimum so that he can get God off his back. Okay, God, I did what you wanted. I didn't like it, but I did it, so leave me alone. But then much to our surprise and much to Jonah's chagrin, God did something absolutely incredible. The whole city of Nineveh repents and they turn to the Lord. And as a result, God shows them mercy. And so that brings us to chapter four. How does Jonah respond to this? It says that he got exceedingly angry. He was very upset. Here he is. He's pouting. He's kicking dust in the air. He's throwing a fit and he's still holding on to hope that maybe this repentance thing won't stick. Maybe he'll get lucky and God will still come back and God will still destroy Nineveh. And if that does happen, Jonah wants to have a front row seat on the whole thing. So he leaves the city. He goes out east where there's a hill overlooking Nineveh and he waits. He waits hoping that he'll get lucky and he'll get to have the pleasure of watching God kill all these people. That's what he's hoping for. Super awesome prophet. So Jonah is angry at God. He's displeased by God's choice, by God's decision. He disapproves of God's actions. Twice in this chapter, it says that Jonah is angry at God. And twice, Jonah says that he is so angry that he wants to die. Why? Well, it's because God didn't do what Jonah thought that God should do, right? So that's the issue here. God didn't do what Jonah thought that God should do. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever been angry at God? Have you ever felt that God did something or maybe God allowed something to happen or he didn't do something and you disapprove? You don't agree. You disapprove. You say, God, why did you let that happen? How could you? That's not right. It's not fair. Maybe you say, God, I prayed for that thing specifically. And you said, if I pray something in your name, you're going to do it. And, and you didn't give me what I asked for. Why not? It was a good thing I was asking for. It wasn't a bad thing. How could you? How could you let that happen to the point where you become angry because you disapprove of God's decision? That's where Jonah's at right now. Now, I would say, I think that most of us on some level, at some, we had a moment where we probably thought at one time or another, if I was God, I would have done that differently. I wouldn't have let that happen. If I was God, I would have acted differently in that situation. I, I would have spared the life of the sick child. I would have taken the life of the child molester. I wouldn't have let that car accident happen. I wouldn't have let that tragedy happen. I would have brought judgment on Nineveh. If I was God, in other words, we say, I would have done things the right way. And I'm angry that God didn't do what I think God should have done. So let me ask you this. If you've ever been there, maybe you're there right now, I don't know. 
what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in that place where you're angry at God? How should you respond to those feelings if you feel those feelings inside of yourself? And here's what I would tell you. Put it this way. Being angry at God is never right. But if you are angry at God, it's never right not to tell him so. Let me say that again, and then I'll explain what I mean. So being angry at God is never right. But if you are angry at God, it's never right not to tell him so. Okay, let me explain what I mean by that. So to be angry at God, that's different than disappointment. That's different than discouragement over something that happened. To be angry at God means, as you're saying, to disapprove of something that God has done or something that God has allowed. Now, there's something really important to keep in mind when, uh, about what the Bible teaches us about our feelings. I'm personally one who believes that feelings are a gift from God, that they're a good thing, that feelings aren't given to us to be suppressed. But here's the other thing I want to tell you about feelings. Not all feelings are neutral, right? Like some people have this idea that feelings are neutral, right? It's feeling sleepy, right? Like I feel sleepy. Is that good or bad? It's neither. It's just I'm just sleepy. That's just how it is. It's something that happens to you. But not all feelings are neutral. Some are, but not all of them are. So for example, some of our feelings are good and some of our feelings are bad. If you're sleepy, is that good or bad? I, I, I don't know. Personally, I think that's just neither. You're just sleepy. That's just how it is. On the other hand, there are some feelings that are good, right? So the Bible tells us to delight in the Lord, delight, that is a feeling, that is an emotion, that is an action. That's a good feeling that God tells us that we should cultivate. On the other hand, there are also some feelings which are bad feelings, inherently bad feelings, bitterness, envy, hatred. These are feelings that take place in our hearts and our minds, and they may never ever translate into actions. But the Bible makes it very clear that God doesn't only look at our actions. He doesn't only care about our actions. He also very much looks at our hearts, and he cares about our hearts. Right? That's one of the big lessons here in the book of Jonah, actually, because Jonah technically did what God asked him to do, right? Like, he could check all the boxes and say, okay, God, I went to Nineveh. I told him the message. I did it. Now you can leave me alone. I did what you asked me to do, right? I did all this stuff outwardly. Great. Well, no, not great. And what's the problem? The problem is... It's the focus of the book. Problem is Jonah's heart. What's going on inside and in his mind? His heart is full of hatred towards the Ninevites and it's full of anger towards God. And so with God, it's not just about what you do or don't do. It's also, it also matters what's going on inside your heart and inside your mind. Jonah is a perfect example of someone who has good theology but a bad heart. Jonah is a perfect example of how it's possible to have good theology but a bad heart. Because here's the thing about Jonah. He knows who God is. He just doesn't like him. So he knows who God, in fact, this is very interesting. In verse two of Jonah chapter four, what does Jonah say? He says, see God, I knew this would happen. I knew it. That's why I ran off to Tarshish in the first place because I knew that you are a gracious God and that you are merciful. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Do you know that that is a direct quotation? from a, a section that we actually studied just a, a few months ago here at Whitefields when we studied Exodus. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. That's a direct quote, okay? So in other words, here's what that means. It means that Jonah knew that verse. Not only did he know that verse, like I think God's kind of merciful or something, he knew it by memory. He knew it word by word. He knew the whole thing. He had it memorized. In other words, he knew the character of God. He just didn't like it. In other words, he really liked it when God was that way towards him. Right? When God was gracious and merciful towards him. Throughout the story, we've seen exactly that. Jonah 
had a bad heart. Jonah did bad things, and yet God didn't give up on him. God loved him and pursued him and is still loving him and pursuing him. And that's a big theme of Jonah, by the way, that we run from God, we have bad hearts, but God comes after us, he loves us, he persists with us. You see, Jonah liked it when God was gracious to him. But when it came to other people, Jonah didn't want God to be gracious. Jonah wanted God to bring judgment. I think that's how a lot of us are, right? We tend to say, grace for me, judgment for you. Grace for me, judgment for you. When we sin, we have all kinds of empathy for ourselves. We say, well, we understand the extenuating circumstances that led to this action or this thought, right? We have a lot of understanding of these extenuating circumstances. We have tons of empathy. But when it comes to other people, we're very quick to want to get out the hammer of justice and pound on them. And that's the situation here with Jonah. Jonah says, these people deserve judgment. God, what you're doing here is just wrong. He says, I'm angry. In fact, I'm so angry, I wish I would just die. And God says to Jonah in verse four, he says, okay, Jonah, you're angry, right? Okay, but here's the question. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? I understand you are angry, but this brings us back to our original statement. Being angry with God is never right, but if you are angry with God, it's never right not to tell him so. See, I don't think that the Bible encourages us to be fake. I don't think it encourages us to suppress our feelings and just put on a happy face and pretend that everything is great when it's not. Here's the thing. God knows everything about you. You can't hide anything from him. So we should be honest about our feelings and we should own up to them. But we should never assume that just because we feel a certain way that those feelings are okay, that they're justified in every situation. God asked Jonah, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry at me? And the answer is obviously no. No, it's not right for Jonah to be angry at God. It's not right really for any of us to be angry at God. And here's why. Here's why. Because God has never done anything wicked or evil against you. Do you know that? That God has never done anything wicked or evil against you. Now, sometimes we don't see the whole picture. Sometimes we don't understand why God did something or why God allowed something to happen. But at the end of the day, the fact is that God sees the big picture and he is, his word tells us, he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So what that comes down to is this. We should be honest about our feelings, but sometimes it's necessary for us to repent of some of those feelings. You might say, well, how can I change the way I feel? I mean, here's the thing. It's just how I feel. It may not be right. It may not be good. But it's how I feel. I can't just turn it on and off like a light switch. Or, or maybe you say, look, I know it's wrong to be angry at God, but I am. What, what, what do I do about it? I can't just turn it off. Or I know it's wrong, but I just hate that person. That's just how it is, right? Like, or I'm totally envious of that person. I realize it's not right, but they have everything that I wish I had. And this is just how I feel. I'm envious. What am I supposed to do about it? You can't just turn on and off your emotions and feelings like a light switch, right? It's kind of like if you've ever been sad, right? And you had that very helpful person who comes up to you and says, hey, you're sad. Yeah, you should stop being sad. And you're like, oh, oh well, thanks. Thanks uh, for fixing that problem for me. Problem solved, right? I'll just uh, stop being sad now. And uh, you know, I'm, it's not how it works. Right? Somebody says, hey, I can see you're very anxious. You should stop being anxious. Well, Okay, I'll just stop right now. I'll just stop being anxious. That's just not how it works. How does it work then? 
See, here's how it works. The way to change how you feel about something is by giving you something that changes the way you think about that thing or situation. I'll say it again because this is important. It says that the, the only way to change the way that you feel about something is if we can give you something that changes the way you think about that thing or that situation because as the way you think about that thing or situation changes, over time the effect will be that it will also affect the way that you feel about that thing. It's one of the reasons why we place such a big emphasis on teaching the Bible and studying the Bible here at Whitefields because, see, we want to bring our thinking into alignment with what God says is right and good and true. And so, why? So that our hearts will be filled with the right feelings as a result, right? Not, I mean, that's not the only goal, but that is the effect. In other words, you can't change your heart, but you can change your mind. You can't change your heart, but you can change your mind. You can't always choose how you will feel, but you can choose how you will think. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. 